The Nuggets face an important game four while the Lakers face a must win. Talk about the keys to that game. Is Nikola Jokic the greatest player in the world? Some sources suggest yes. <laughs> Plus, uh, a Denver legend calls it a career. All that and more on Locked On Nuggets. You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us your first listen. We appreciate you guys being with us on all platforms, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or catching the show on YouTube, where folks like Dr. Van der Strand, Christian Kaiser, <coughs> Joseph, Hacked Alias, Fernando Para, Josh Winninger's back in the chat. What's up, Josh? Uh, all sorts of, and 55555-ish after joining us last night is back on with us today. We appreciate you guys being part of the community and joining us uh, wherever you choose. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed on the Game Time app. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Adam Mares, director of content for DMVR. Check out the pre- and post-game shows for every Nuggets game over at DMVR. Plus, check out every game that you want to watch in the Colorado sports sphere over at the DMVR bar. I'm sure it's going to be absolutely hopping for game four tonight as the Denver Nuggets look to advance to their first NBA Finals. The Nuggets have made it further than they ever have. This is the furthest the Nuggets have ever made it in the NBA postseason. And they look to advance to the NBA Finals as far as going for the furthest round tonight. We'll talk about keys for game four. We'll discuss Jokic and his place in the NBA stratosphere. Uh, and we'll get to Carmelo Anthony's retirement in the last segment. Adam, good morning. We just spoke last night. How are you doing today? Oh, I, I swept <clears throat> swept in a little bit late this morning, so I'm feeling a little sweepy. <laughs> wow. Is that pretty? Is that like a full dad joke? <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you make a pun. I don't think in like in like eight years I've ever heard you do that. So wow, he must be feeling pretty good today. Get my coffee, oh. man. I'm a little sleepy. I gotta I gotta wake up. I love this comment though from uh, Josh Whittinger. He here he says, "You're the only Matt Moore I respect, and I know at least one other. At least so, one other. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, that other Matt Moore, that scoundrel, that rotten that guy, scoundrel. That guy sucks. That guy sucks. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's get to uh, game four. Um, I'll start you with this. I'll start with a take, and you can react to it. I think they changed the starting lineup in game four. I think the D'Lo creates problems, but I think at this point you can justify bringing them off the bench. Um, I think they go to Austin Reeves, um, Dennis Schroeder, Rui Hachimura, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. Well, I think make let, me, let me ask this question here, Matt, because somebody brought this up on another pod. <clears throat> you know, the Nuggets need to retain D'Angelo Russell because of their salary cap situation, not because they want him, but because they can either sign and trade him, lose him and lose the money because he's, uh, you know, they're not going to get the money that they spent on him. They have to use it for him or they could sign him and then trade him next year, which is probably the most likely scenario. So part of it, so one of the things somebody was suggesting was they might have a calculation of we're probably not going to win the series. We need D'Angelo Russell to buy in this summer with us and be one of our guys. Is there any chance that that's part of why they don't that maybe tonight they just roll them out and say, hey, look, what's the worst that could happen? We get swept. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. I think that's got to be part of the equation. I think they have to factor in these things. I think it's impossible for them not to. Um, I will say, I think that there's probably a level here where they're just like, look, we're going to try this, you know, and like, you know, roll the dice. Like if, if D'Lo is going to leave based off of just like not playing and or not starting in one game of this series is that you know like there's gotta be some sort of calculated risk here um i mean some of this you have to like this is one that i think that's interesting is in my experience the front offices always have like the big view in mind because that's their job and the the players and the coaches always have the micro view in front of them because that's their job like their job is to win the next game right and the gm's job is to win the next three seasons right and so that equation, I think, is difficult. Um, it might be one of those things where they start D'Lo and then, like, immediately sub in Rui, right? Like, he starts, but then they go do this very immediately. That lineup has been excellent. Um, the Nuggets starters actually have not been all that good. It's mostly been the Bruce Brown minutes that's actually succeeded in this series. Um, what are your thoughts on, like, if I'm right and they go to that, what are your thoughts on that lineup combination versus the starters and how that affects the flow of the game. Um, if they go to, are you talking about for the Lakers? Um, yeah, like the Reeves Rui minutes have been absolutely terrific. They have a one twenty three offensive, one thirteen defensive in the minutes. My, Rui. my thing, my thing with that lineup is it's mostly good because they score against Denver's bench. I mean, one strategy is if you can withstand Denver's best punch, yep. if you can. Can you then, you know, try to take advantage of the bench minutes because those are so vulnerable to a run. The Lakers have a hard time making runs in this series. Yeah. They they can have sustained, like, steady play. The Nuggets have runs in them. Sometimes they go on 12-0 runs, 15-0 runs. Like, they just – they can score in bunches out of nowhere. The Lakers, I think, have a bit of a harder time doing that. The only time they've had success has been LeBron James in particular, Rui with the bench, and, and then Rui versus Denver's bench. So to me, if you give your best punch against Denver starters, are you going to beat Denver starters? You might. You might not, though. Denver starters are really good. They're capable of beating the Lakers' best punch. So if you do that, did you sacrifice the, your ability to score on Denver's vulnerable lineups? Maybe. And then on top of that, what's one of the big stories of the series? Fatigue. Throw your best punch early and Denver withstands it. I just think that you're in trouble. So, again, it might be their best bet, and it's time to change things up if you're, you know, for the Lakers. They might as well try something different. But I just think there's a lot of in one hand out the other in that adjustment. Yeah. Um, let's see. What do you Murray, think? Uh, KCP, the starters. Like, the starters are a raw plus five in the series. So, like, they've won their minutes. Um, they've actually, like I said, all of the minutes with Bruce have been better because Bruce has been so fantastic. Um, I would say that if you like the, the, the script for this game, if you're, if you're the Lakers, I think is you got to win the starter minutes is you get a lead on You're right. That it's a risk. It's like, what if it doesn't work? Cause the nugget starters are really good. You're losing anyway. <laughs> the other way has gone. Oh, three. So I think that there's probably like a little bit of upside to trying to win the starters minutes because on most nights, on most nights, you're probably not getting the run that the Nuggets got in that third quarter when Jokic went out or just the stabilization, right? You're not going to get that a lot. So if you're able to just – if you're able to get a lead on them, because that's that to me has been one of the problems for the Lakers in the series. They led game two for most of the way. But, like, 
the Lakers have not been in consistently like the fact that in game three, they did not lead until the fourth quarter. Like that's a problem. Like that's an issue for them that they have been unable to get to a, like, they got They have to play from a lead. And in this game in particular, I think the, the, the script has to be like, hit them with absolutely everything to where Denver's like, all right, fine. We'll get it back in Denver. Right. Like that's, and that's a pretty common script in the NBA. And if they can't get separation, they're in real trouble. <clears throat> Their nuggets have been better in clutch situations, fourth quarters throughout these playoffs versus every team that they've faced, including yeah. the Lakers. Right. So for me, it's like, you gotta, you have to hit them with everything. I think you got to get them behind so that you can try and like add separation in the bench minutes rather than trying to, to withstand the first punch and then come back. Does that make sense? Denver hasn't trailed by a lot of points, really. I mean, they have in short stints, mostly early in the games, but they haven't, to your point, the Lakers haven't gotten to, to play ahead. And when you're at home, you want your role players to have a little bit of comfort. I think there's a, a very real scenario tonight where Denver has the Lakers facing elimination, builds a lead, and now you're asking all these guys to save your season. with Even with wide open jumpers, that's a lot of pressure. That could be a little tough. So I'm with you. I think it's one of the strengths of Denver is that they just, you know, to this point have not given up big runs. I think it's the nature of their offense and and they're capable of doing that. The one thing I'll say though, in favor of making a change, I think Denver has figured out Jared Vanderbilt. I think they actually had him figured out the moment he stepped on the court. Yeah. Hey, we know how to take advantage of that one. So if you have a starting lineup, that's already figured out you might as well change it up just for the sake of hey let's just present them new problems new challenges it's one reason that i think mo bamba as crazy it is it is as it is might actually be worth trying out not because i think he's good not because i think that it's fair to throw a guy out who's been out for so long and is not a star player to begin with i think it's unfair but at this point it might confuse denver it might just force them five possessions where they're like all right hold on who's where like what are we doing here what's our plan Maybe. Maybe go to uh, Mo Bamba in the second unit next to LeBron and Rui. Man, I don't even – maybe I don't know about that because I don't know if he takes advantage of Denver's undersized lineups that much. I don't know if he's that kind of guy. He kind of plays a little bit I – don't, I don't know if he's going to be a guy that physically overpowers the way you would typically overpower there. To me, it's more can you stick length on Jokic and use Anthony Davis as a roamer? Yeah, you know, what do you just – the Rui adjustment, but maybe it's just, Hey, length on Jokic, even though he's not good one-on-one, you have Anthony Davis helping. That's double length. What if they start Mobamba? Again, like at this point, when you're down three Oh, what is there to lose? You're trying to gain a data point to see if there's something you can do. So for me, the longer a series goes on, I've always said this Jokic figures it out. Oh, here's where we're going. Here's the vulnerabilities. I think we're there. So you got to throw up a curveball. Throw a curveball. Okay. Another idea. What if you put Mo Bamba in the starting lineup for Anthony Davis? <laughs> Since AD can't seem to be very effective in the series. Um, all right. On the other side, we'll talk about the key essential question. And honestly, it's a it's a talking point. Many are saying you're hearing it more and more. All of the phrases. It, is Nikola Jokic the best player in the world? We'll talk about that question on the other side when we come back. But first, I need to tell you about the game time app game time is absolutely phenomenal because look there's so many great events going on there's i i personally don't think there's anywhere better in the country than colorado in the summer it's absolutely phenomenal it's such a great place to be um 
and there's so many events going on. Denver's got so many great concerts. It's such a great concert city. You can get tickets for all those for all those events last minute. And hey, if there are more Nuggets games, which but there will be, whether it's you know Game Five, Game Seven, or or other games potentially in the next round, uh, you can use a Game Time app to try and get into the building, right? And that's obviously a great way to get there because they've got those flash deals right up until the day of the event. Get Matt, Matt, my brother works for the airline, and so he flies for free. And last night he was at the bar for Game Three. And he opens up game time app as immediately as it's over. Tickets to the Lakers game, Lakers Nuggets game four, two hundred bucks. He opened it an hour later, one hundred twenty bucks. <laughs> the price is plummeting at at crypto.com. Hey, so if you're in the LA area, listen to this. You might be able to go see the Nuggets uh, for less than usual. Uh, you get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps, and you're set. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you'll never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked on Nuggets, thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. Uh, Medina Joshua has a question for you. Is that a white man can't jump Joker and Murray shirt, Adam? Well, uh, Lurk, Lurk Designs. Shouts to Alec Gwynn. Nice. Who I hung out with over the weekend, by the way, after game three. Oh, that's cool. How was Alec? He was great. That's it awesome. Was, I mean, it was after game three, so you can imagine. It's cool that you can hang out with him, because if I was there, he might try and stab me. Um, so, look, the it took him a while. It took him to the Western Conference playoffs and two MVPs. Western Conference finals. But, look, I'm listening to all of these clips from, from uh, people on the Nikola – Nicole Aesthetic, Nicole Aesthetic, I, that account, which is great, by the way. Uh, Shouts to that guy for, or person rather, for putting on um, all of basically every clip about the Nuggets on national media. Um, <laughs> and there's like a lot of conversation about he's being, Nikola Jokic is being referred to as the best player in the world. Like that is consistently being discussed. Um, we are three weeks from him not being selected as the National Basketball Association most valuable player in favor of a guy who completely vanished. Um, so I, I just want to get your thoughts on more of the question and what it means. Like, if I had told you, you, early ad- the earliest adopter of Jokic Tech, if I had told you then this guy could be the best player in the NBA – you have been like, okay, stop being a jackass, Matt. Like, you don't have to make fun of me, right? And yet here we are. Uh, when we look at where Jokic stands and why, what do you think is the evolution in terms of how people view him about where he stands, about where he's gone from even from his first MVP season, about where he was in the bubble to now? What are your thoughts on Nikola Jokic, best player in the world? There's a little bit of it that's like, you know, when you have like a great band and you share it with a friend for the first time. So you, you having experienced them for a while, you're sharing and you're watching somebody else be like, wow, this kind of, this kind of nice, man. I like this. That's kind of what it's like. Only it's as if your friends were like uh, ragging on it without listening to it for all these years. That's kind of what it's like. But 
I've commented on this. I think it was after game six of the Phoenix series where I'm listening to one of the national shows. And I think it was Windhorst who was like, guys, he made this pass in the third quarter. He didn't even look. He And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. You're getting it. Keep going. Keep going. He's, and you know, he scores. If you leave him one-on-one, he'll just score on you. You're like, yeah, yep. That's, that's another part of it. Yep. That's, that's what he does. So some of this is, I think people, it's wild, but just, you know, seeing what he's been doing for several years and seeing how consistently he does it. So I think there's been a lot of catching up in terms of people's eyes, but it's more than that, Matt, this playoff run represents Jokic could have been good and the Nuggets could have won, but it still would have been a little more iffy. I think where we're standing right now, and he's got to finish the job. Everything changes, you know, if they do, if they come up short or, you know, lose this round or next or whatever, everything changes. But at this very moment, I think most people are ready. They have it in drafts. They have it saved in their weight and they're ready to say, yeah, this guy is everything the, the pro Jokic people were saying, and he is the number one player in the, in the game right now. I think everybody is ready to concede that point if they haven't already. I actually think that we're, I think we're beyond that. Oh, wow. Actually, we're hitting into the words all time great are being used with him. And look, this is what's funny about being in the moment, right? Is, is I'm like, wow, are people really considering this? And I'm like, he won two MVPs. Why wouldn't you? Like what, all, <laughs> what, what player to win multiple MVPs right. is not considered an all time great. Like Moses Malone is an all-time great. Jokic is way better than Moses, and I love Moses. Love Moses. Jokic, Nick Wright called him. Um, he said it's the worst MVP since Dave Cowens. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that that take has aged so poorly, even for Nick Wright. Yeah, it's it's even that- Nick Wright is kind of like begrudgingly. Man, this guy's really good. He's really stepped up. He showed me something. Like, yep. Yeah, and I think it's a lot of this too is just the expectation and this is wins made fun of this point so much and it's accurate. Um, and le- a lot of this is, is cool in that you and I have talked through and we've seen the runs, right? Like it's, it is, it continues to baffle me that people really had questions about this team defensively. I'm like, guys, they just, like they made a Western conference final. Like they beat the Clippers who you thought was much better. But they did that. Like they beat Kawhi. Like Jokic was the best player in a series with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Like that happened three years ago. And I understand it was the bubble, but like that happened three years ago. You're not like, oh no, LeBron's not better than than these other guys. He was in the bubble. That's not what you would say. And I get that Jokic isn't LeBron, but like he's certified. The other thing here, and Jason Tim made this point on Hoops tonight, and he's a Lakers fan. He's given a lot of credit to the Nuggets. And he said, like, hey, like he thought he was like, I think, you know, he picked the Lakers because he's a Lakers fan. And like, that's where he was. And he's like, I was wrong. Like, he's owned it. I like Jason a lot. And one a lot of people, a lot of people have owned it. And and one thing that like Jason said is the stuff that that you and I have talked about on this show, which is like on the defensive side. It's like, look, it's Joel Embiid is a better defender than Nikola Jokic. It doesn't matter in the playoffs if you can't find the solutions to the problems in front of you. Well, hold on. I'm going to say something that you're going to think is a little crazy, but I I don't. <clears throat> He's better rim protector on drives. He's better at those at that type of rim protection, which is obviously a huge part of this. Somebody was like, somebody posted the other day. They're like, AD's really having a hard time challenging Jokic one on one in the post. Jokic's an elite post up defender. Yeah, there are parts of Jokic's game that aren't just good; they're great, and there are parts of his defense that are obviously, as you're mentioning bad but so is every other big guarding in space and he's probably one among the worst but 
AD trying to go one-on-one at Jokic? Yeah, that's advantage Jokic. Jokic is better. If Anthony Davis and Jokic played one-on-one, I think Jokic would destroy him. And I think that's a thing that people would most be like, well, hold on. There's No, Jokic is a good one-on-one post defender. But Adam, he kicks the ball and pick and roll. <laughs> um, so, like, a lot of this is, is just the people that really thought, they're like, well, Jokic will get exposed. They just, I, to me, I'm like, you don't, you fundamentally do not understand playoff basketball and playoff defense. Like, you just don't. And even, I'll say this, like, I, again, I, I like all these these national guys, not just because I know them. Like, I like them before, and then I got to know them personally. Like, I, I have, like, unending respect for Brian Windhorst. Brian's always been really good to me. But, like, Brian the other day was like, I still think the Lakers could have done more to exploit Denver defensively. I'm like, they face Kevin Durant and LeBron James. Like, on, on and some of this honestly gets into stuff that you talked about with the offense, where it's like, hey, if you're having to get take the ball out of the basket every time, that's what's really funny about this series is, like, the Lakers have won a title off a transition offense, and the Nuggets are killing them on fast breaks. Killing them in transition. Right. Um, Real quick, though, I want to go through some numbers here, Matt. Yeah. Jokic is averaging the same amount, exact same amount of points as Jimmy Butler, which is tied for the most of players left. It's fifth overall. Kawhi Leonard played two games. He's at 34 and a half points. So I don't know how much we count that. But Devin Booker, Anthony Edwards, Steph Curry ahead of him. Number five is Jokic. Number six, Jimmy Butler. Jokic is averaging 13.2 rebounds per game. An absurd number. 10.1 assists per game. So a triple-double. He's shooting a better percentage than Jimmy Butler. A better three-point percentage than Jimmy Butler on almost identical volume. The guy has a thirty uh, uh, a triple-double average. A 30, uh, 30 point triple double average. It's, these are insane person numbers. These are, these are absolutely ridiculous to me. And then the fact that he's done this against, it's so underrated that the first round was against Rudy Gobert. I know he's a punching bag and I know the Timberwolves are not a good team, that they're a good defense. They're a good defense for Denver. And Yoke did, had a, a Yoke's numbers would be even huger if it wasn't against that. Anthony Davis, one of the best defenders in the NBA, numbers are enormous. I, I think it's actually a little underappreciated that Yoke's going through some of the best defenses in the NBA and putting up these numbers. Yeah, I mean, everyone was talking about the uh, the Lakers defense being elite, you know? And, like, I'll say this. Like, I have a hard time. I, like, I'm having a hard time in this series because the Nuggets make it look so easy. And, like, you've made this point, And, like, this is part of it is, like, the, no, like, the Lakers are an elite defense. Denver just is out executing them. Like, Denver's execution is so good, they haven't been able to have a chance in, in this in this spot. And, um, and versatility, by the way. And, and I will say this. not Again, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves with any of this stuff. There's offensive versatility, which I think Denver has in spades. Can you win in multiple ways? So if a team does this thing, you do that, whatever. Then there's defensive versatility. And I will say, I think the Lakers are less defensive versi- have less defensive versatility. I think Miami has a lot, although they might be deficient at one key spot inside. I don't know if they can play a specific type of defense in, inside. But the Lakers, this is one of the things about Denver, is they have figured out how to make them, you know, how to attack the parts where they're not necessarily strong. And that's been what's interesting. I mean, Jared Vanderbilt, as I mentioned, kind of not played out of the series because he's still going to play a role, but really hard to be effective defensively the way that they expect him to be because of Denver's ability to switch him off. Best coaching run in Malone's career? Um, probably. I mean, probably. He's had a, he's been doing a really, a really good job. Um 
you know, we'll see if there's bigger tests ahead. One thing Denver has not had to do yet is play from behind. And maybe they won't have to at the entire the entire run. Yeah. We'll, we'll find out. On the other side, a Denver legend has called it a career. We'll talk about the legacy of Carmelo Anthony and the complicated feelings that a lot of Denver fans feel about him on the other side when we return on Locked on Nuggets. But first, I need to tell you about prize picks and the daily $1 million Superflex. Every day of the NBA playoffs through the finals, one prize picks user is going to win a chance at, a, at becoming a millionaire. One entry be placed after 8 a.m. Eastern will be randomly selected each day. And whoever placed that entry will be given a six pick flex with the following payouts. If you get six right, that's a million bucks. You get five correct, that's 80000 You get four correct, that's $16,000. Full details can be found at prizepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at this link to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal, and you could be the lucky winner. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match. You get right away up to $100 with promo code Locked On. Don't forget to enter promo code Locked On at sign up. For an instant deposit match up to $100, prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. Josh Winniard. Aaron Brooks retired? I'm dead. I'm just dead. Thank you, Josh. Um, so Carmel Anthony announced retirement this morning in a video. And um, with Denver in the in the conference finals and on the verge of the finals, there's a lot of conversation about it in regards to Denver. Um, I've spoken about my feelings on this. I've done like long form podcasts on the subject. I've done radio interviews. I've done podcasts on here about it. But like, I'll say this, like, I don't get to like claim authority. I can't simultaneously be like, I'm not a Nuggets fan. And then be like, I know what's best for you. Like, I don't get to do that. So like, I'll ask you, like, I can have my opinion, but I'll ask you, Adam, um, one, what are your feelings on Melo retiring? And two, what do you what do you hope for with the future of the relationship between the Nuggets and, and Melo? Well, you have to start with how I, I've been consistent in my take all along. <clears throat> I think one of the things about Carmelo Anthony is that he was at the forefront of this player movement era. Players kind of leaving. It was kind of foreign for a player to leave. Usually a player would leave because they were disgruntled, not because they liked an, their opportunity better. So, like, if you just were happy with where you were, you would usually, typically it was expected that you stayed. Obviously, that's changed now. And I think with Denver being at the front of it and also always on the wrong side of that, nobody has ever forced their way to Denver. Um, Denver fans didn't need to feel happy with that. And that's why I've always said booing Mello and rooting against him during his career, to me, was not only fair, fair game for Nuggets fans, completely appropriate. It was, I think, for me personally, the right thing. Because why should we sit and accept the paradigm that says that players always leave you, never go to you, and you should just be happy with how that works? You should be happy with that setup. So Nuggets fans booing Mello throughout his career, I've always thought was not only acceptable, but appropriate. But I've also always said, it's not personal. It's not about Carmelo. To me, it's always about a system that is designed for you to be the punching bag in the asterisk and everybody else's story. But now that he's retired, I think there is an, uh, uh, this is the moment. And it's kind of great that it's happening on this, you know, special run for Denver. This is the moment to me where everything can be put to the side and Mello can be celebrated for the time he was in Denver, for all the things he did do in Denver. And I hope 
can be brought back into the fold by Denver Nuggets fans. So for me personally, today, as he announced his retirement, by the way, really cool video I thought that he made. Like that was a that was a creative way to announce your retirement, I thought. I, I, I thought it was well done. Now is the time where I hope there can be a bringing together of Mello and Denver Nuggets fans, a reminiscing, and ultimately you don't want to erase that history. That was a great history, and I hope it can be placed in that proper context now. I'm not going to begrudge it because, again, it's not my place to. Um, I'll say, like, on the plus side, on the positives, like, Mello did lead them to the conference finals, which was, like, a, a really high mark. You know, got as close as any team in Nuggets history has to the finals. Um, was a fantastic scorer. Was amazing in his era. The era kind of shifted beyond him starting when he kind of got to the Knicks. It started to evolve past him. Um, it was a different era. He it was, was to me. It was a different era. 2011 was, on. That's a different era. He was better defensively in Denver than he was later on. Um, so physical, so powerful, had so much capability in terms of just bullying. Also, obviously just an amazing shooter, just able to like the game was so, was so smooth, so much in his footwork, in his bag uh, of being able to create shots for himself um, big shot after big shot, you know, range for days, all those types of things. Um, so that there's like, th those are like the positives that I have. Uh, I do have some stuff here from the chat. How many games has he attended at Ball Arena since? But yeah, but, but here's the thing: that's not his, that's that is on him. But it's also again, every time he came to Denver, we booed him. Why would he come to Ball Arena? Uh, Charles, I'd feel better about Carmelo retirement if he apologized to the fans for leaving us high and dry. We uh, were one of two players short of a great team after that 2009 WCF. What does he have to apologize for, Matt? I don't think he has anything to apologize for. This is the thing. He made a decision. He said, I would rather be in New York with a lesser team even, by the way. I'd rather be in New York. What does he have to apologize for? That's his right. He gets that right. The trade-off, though, for exercising that right is you get booed by a place where you – Feel like, hey, that's where I made my name. Like I had all these good years. You get booed there. That to me, that's the trade-off. And if he would have showed up in the crowd prior to today, he would have been booed. I even think there's a chance that if he shows up, let's imagine that there is a game five and Carmelo is invited by you know the Cronkies or whatever, and he's sitting there and they show him on the Jumbotron. Does he get booed or cheered? Mix. I think a mix too. And so why would he show up when knowing that that would be the case? That's a weird position to be in. Again, a position of his own creating. And this is my whole thing. I am pro player empowerment. I am pro players being able to exercise their free agency. I am anti forcing fans to be the ones that have to make that a win-win for everybody. If you want to exercise, like Damian Lillard right now appears to be saying, I would rather be with uh, Portland and go down with Portland and never win I'd rather do this. And the result is he's a hero to the Portland fans, even though they'll probably never win anything. And he'll get cheered and he'll always be welcome there. You can exercise your right to leave. You're just going to, you're not going to be loved and remembered and thought of in that same light. And that's okay if you make that decision. I think for me, a lot of it too, if I were a Nuggets fan, <laughs> would be based off of his recalcitrance at this stuff bothers me. Where he's like, well, they wanted to rebuild. I mean, we have no evidence of that, man. Yeah, yeah. Nope, nope, like, don't do that. You made, you made the conference finals two years prior, and your coach got cancer the year after. Like, we, I just, there was no, I have not heard a single work. Any of those guys have not come out and been like, yeah, no, we were going to, we we told Mello we wanted to tear it down and, and lessen salary. Like, 
I'm not sorry, only that, to me, it sounds like that, you were looking for an excuse bad. to justify it. And like, I'm with you on this. This has been my thing. You're right. It's fine for him to at players ask out all the time, right? Guiding your career, blah, blah, blah. And he could have left in free agency. And you could say like, well, he actually helped Denver out. I will just, I want to push back on that one point. The idea of Melo helping Denver out by requesting a trade so they could get something back. No, he wanted out sooner. He wanted out earlier. He wanted to get set up then. I think there was a little bit of both, but you are right. Because I'll tell you, if they don't deal with the Knicks, if honestly, if Prokhorov does not meet with him on Friday night and scare Dolan, they're getting a deal. And the Nuggets do not get the assets, including Jamal Murray, that they got from that trade. Right. Melo was not like, hey, make sure you give these guys something to build with. That was not part of his equation. Like, let's not pretend he had the interest of the Nuggets at all in his mind. And you want to say, like, well, the, the, you know, the front office of blah, blah, blah. Fine. But again, like, the fans are part of this equation. You, as fans, get to be part of this social construct. You deserve to be considered. Right. You shouldn't just have to be like, no, we should, no, he scored a lot of points. We should, right. no, we got we to gotta love him. No, he left you. He abandoned you. He ran. He went to a bigger market. All the stuff that people feel about Denver where it's like we're not treated as the same, he validated. Well, that's and that's the thing is I think the fans' response to Mello is the same as Mello's response to the fans. I mean, there's a, a mutual relationship there. Well, you cheered him when he was there. Yep, that's exactly right. And when he was here, he played for us. And when he wasn't, he didn't. So that's that's the trade-off of, of it all. Um, I He went to a team. The thing to me that's a checkmate on the argument of, you know, oh, well, they were going to rebuild. He went to a team that was worse. He went to a team. He was playing with Landry Fields. Like he did not go to some juggernaut or, or what have you. So I'm with you. And then the argument about, you know, helping out the team, this or that, it did wind up helping the team. And the final piece of that being the Jamal. Jamal, when you stack up all of the little pieces that Denver got, the latest piece, the piece that manifested itself at the last was the Jamal Murray pick, which is kind of, po- you know, in some ways uh, poetic <laughs> that it worked out that way, I think is really cool. But again, to me, the broader story is less contextualizing what happened. It's now, these things to me are not personal in this way of like, I'll never forgive him. I'll never do this. To me, it was just strictly a, he gave us great years and I appreciate everything he did. When he chose somebody else, he chose to be on the other side of our applause. And now that his career is over, I hope that we can bring him back in the fold. I will say he can't show up to game five unannounced. I don't think that will go well. I think it would be equal booze and cheers. I hope I'm wrong. But what I do think can happen, though, is that he can extend an olive branch. Come on this show, Carmelo, or do a sit down with Mark Spears or do something where you talk about your time in Denver. And honestly, to me, it's more about owning it. I think players today try to craft a narrative that their PR teams tell them will be too, too good. Just come out and say, look. I made a choice. I hope we can enjoy the years that we had together. I made a choice that was, I felt was right for me basketball. I felt was right for me business. I felt that was right for me for a family perspective. And I made that choice. And I understand that Nuggets fans got the bad end of that choice. And I understand it. And if you do that, I think that there will be a bittersweet reconciliation between Carmelo and Nuggets fans that is appropriate. Saul says, I wonder if Melo regrets leaving. Like this is a lot of it. The players never say that. Like, let's be real clear. I don't here. think he regrets it, though. I mean, he was less successful in New York from a basketball perspective than he was in Denver. He was more of a winner. Uh, you can check out Jeff Morton's podcast for more on the Colorado sports guys. He's always he's the Nuggets historian. He's always good at this stuff. Um, 
Yeah, tough scene for Jeff lately with Michael Malone being good. Um, so like I think that there's again, if players were able like Darren Williams kind of hinted at this once, I thought it was like a big deal that he was basically just like, Yeah, I don't know if I should have left Utah. Like, <laughs> like that this is part of it, is like you should be able you should be able to own, like, yeah, I should like that you know, maybe that was a mistake. And I understand your point of like his business stuff and the family stuff and everything, because that was a that was a large part of it, right? Not to to villainize or Yoko Ono um lala but like i just think that you can say like i thought this is what was best for my career but like my best basketball was in denver you know and like that's true honestly like reminisce on the 2009 season which was really special yeah it was really special you know when he didn't play like he did the entirety of the rest of his career um Man, you really don't like him. I'm going to push back. So Brad Hicks says, Adam couldn't disagree more. We're fans in a love relationship with him. You're far too diplomatic. I disagree. I mean, and here's the thing. And I would guess that Brad is one of the guys that hates Will Barton. And this comes back to my thing about Will Barton. If you only celebrate the championship team, first of all, if you're a Nuggets fan, man, you're going to have a lot of miserable years. You're going to have a lot more miserable years than you're going to have good ones. Every season to me brings you some sort of joy and some sort of memories and things you're going to remember. Will Barton to me was a part of the construction of this team. He was a step in the process to arrive at this point. And was it necessary to get rid of him? And maybe Nuggets got rid of him one, maybe two years too late. Absolutely. But to me, Will Barton represents the development and the formation of this era. And is a and it's a part that I think of fondly when I think of this team. Melo is the same thing. When I see all these people saying, I became a Nuggets fan during the Melo era, it can't be understated how much that was the most popular this is the best era that was the most popular era and it brought a lot of new people to the Denver Nuggets who never left and I just think that that is to me that's something to be celebrated something to be appreciated even if it didn't last. look David Thompson we're 50 years removed from his era ruined his career with drugs should we be mad about that I mean I think at the time you are because you had all this potential but I think there's a moment where you say are we not going to celebrate David Thompson are we not going to remember him? And we're not going to acknowledge that part of our history. Mello's part ended horribly because he decided to leave. But I think it would be foolish to throw out your history because of that. Double Jersey retirement, the way to go. <laughs> that's the part that's funniest and the part that sucks the most. I think there was a pettiness to the Nuggets not like allowing somebody to have that number. I, especially like why did Jokic choose 15? He didn't wear that his whole life. Denver could have easily been like, well, that number's a little weird. Don't go with it. Instead, they put a guy in, and he just so happened to become the best player in franchise history. It's actually the funniest irony of this whole thing, that that a guy that was drafted in the second round that I'm sure nobody was like, oh, this will be a big deal, put on number 15, no biggie, is now definitively the best player to ever wear that jersey number. Um, That part's all weird. Do you think that as he started to get good, they were like, well, surely he won't become an all-time great. Do you think that they were like, that they were like, yeah, no, this is actually funny. Let's keep it. Or do you think like nobody, nobody thought to be, or do, do you think you can't change a guy's number though? Once like, he has it. Yeah. Well, that's my question is like, could, could you ask, like, could you have been like, Hey, so you're getting pretty good. Change <laughs> to like I will, What I will say is there's something poetic about, it was three years later that he, Yoke arrives basically, I guess four years later that he arrives and puts on number 15, because there is something to that number as great as it was during its time had this like bitterness to it because of how he left. And then it's, there's something poetic about someone new coming in and rescuing the number. 
in this way and like fulfilling it's like if you could it's like a game of thrones episode if you said uh the best player to ever play for you will wear 15 and he'll lead you to a title and you just thought that meant mellow and it's like no 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 not him a little bit uh, later y'all have this is a comment y'all have selective memory drafting mellows back in the playoffs after an eight-year hiatus definitely led you back into the first round uh not sure why everyone wants to dump on him these days like, Didn't I just say this? Isn't what I yeah, just said? Like, look, man. Like, what do I have a selective memory for? I'm, yeah, the like, I'm sorry. You're like, you have a selective memory. I'm only going to remember the first part. What happened at the end? Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> I'm sorry. The whole story matters here, man. Um, yeah, and your I, point I, about the first round exits to me, like that, and, and not just losing, but getting swept or losing in five every year, that's a part of it, too. And again, I don't. You, it's just part of the story to me that Melo's era had the one great run in 2009 and it had a lot of like just coming up short every year. The, the people that didn't live it don't realize you were excited the first year. You were hopeful the second year. You were nervous the third. You started to get lose hope. You're like, we're just always going to lose in the first round and it's not going to be close. That's what it felt like. And and that was part of his his legacy. Again, I don't begrudge him of it, but that let's not overstate how good that era was. It was really fun but it was only great one year. Yeah. It is kind of, it is funny. And it's like, it's fitting of both our personalities that you as a Denver fan are like, now I hope we can come together and like have a bittersweet reconciliation. And me as a non Denver fan, I'm, I'm kind of like, not a hell of that guy. He bailed on you. Like hold grudges. Grudges are good and healthy. They are. But I, I also just think it's part of your history, man. And nuggets don't have a deep enough history to throw out entire eras. I mean, Carmelo Anthony's era was a top four era all time in Denver Nuggets history. <laughs> like, are we gonna throw that out for for bitterness? Yeah. No. Now's the time. It's gonna be just as it's gonna be just as emotional when Nurkic gets tired. So yeah, um, right. we'll see you guys again tomorrow on Lock On Nuggets. We'll recap Game Four. Uh, we'll talk about potential Game Five uh, in the event that it occurs. If not, we will look forward to the other scenario. If they do not win game four uh or they if they do win game four we'll look at the other scenario and what and start looking at those uh, a lot of content for you over the next uh eight days before there will be a game one uh we'll see you tomorrow thanks for joining us make sure to head on down to the dmvr bar check out the great stuff at dmvr you can find me at the action network have yourselves a great monday we'll see you guys again tomorrow on lockdown